1: To the flyers talk podcast today it's a special edition philly sports villains as always i'm katie emmer the pre and post game host of the philadelphia flyers we have jordan hall with us as always as well the web producer and writer for nbc sports philadelphia jordan how you doing
2: katie doing well thanks for having all of us
1: yeah next up brooke destra the digital content creator here at nbc sports philadelphia brooke how's it going how have you been
0: katie i am doing well how about yourself girlfriend
1: You know what? You said this before we went live. I miss you. And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I miss you too. This is so different, but hey, happy we can catch (laughs) up. Last, but certainly not least, one of my best friends day in and day out for the games. You guys, you're all my best friend, but Joe Fordyce, the pre and post game producer for the Philadelphia Flyers broadcast on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Joe, you've been busy hopping on with us on the Flyers Talk podcast, but you've been busy in general. How has life been?
3: It's good, Katie. Glad to be with you guys again. Uh, uh, very, uh, very much looking forward to this topic today. Um, there's been plenty of, plenty of uh, villains in the Flyer history, and uh, looking forward to discussing them all.
1: Yeah, right? This is going to be so much fun. Jordan, lead us up.
2: Absolutely. Katie, hey, absolutely. Uh, a ton of fun stuff. As Joe Fordyce said, uh, when you think of Philly sports villains, uh, the team like the Flyers come right to mind because for fans, there are a lot of former players, current players, uh, ones that I think Philly fans have a strong uh, distaste for. So this is a perfect segment, I think, for all of us. And for those listening, a little explainer on all of this, we have whittled down the list to four players, and those will be debated on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. The articles are up and live. And then we want you to go there and please interact and tell us which one you think is the ultimate Philly sports villain among the Flyers. And then those will also, that final villain will compete against the other villains of the Sixers, Phillies, and Eagles. So I think you're going to enjoy our list of four. They're pretty good ones. I hope the debate is strong. I hope it's heavy. Um, but let's start it off with one that – is it still stings. I know it still stings, Brooke Desher, to this day. It's still very fresh. Brooke Teshra, please give us your Philly sports villain for the Flyers.
0: All right, here we go. Let me set the scene for you guys first, all right? Day Love is it. June 9th, 2010. We are at the Wachovia Center, which is now known as the Wells Fargo Center. Game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. 4 minutes and 6 seconds into overtime. Patrick freaking Kane. <laughs> and let me be the first to say that I think that every sports Philly sports villain is rightfully justified because of the fact that I think a big part into who each individual person gets to pick is based off of the era that you grew up in in sports. I'm pretty sure that if I were 10 years older right now, I'd have a different villain. But Oh, my God. I can't even. I remember the day after that happened, no one spoke to me because <laughs> it was the first time in my life as a Philly sports fan where I felt destroyed. I felt defeated. And I actually thought that I felt pain back in 2009 when the Phillies lost the World Series. But I felt like we were still kind of riding that high from 2008 when that most controversial goal in franchise history went in, destroyed me. And oh my gosh, I just, I think there are a lot of bad guys in every kind of superhero movie. So sure we have, um, you know, like say Sidney Crosby, but in my story, my superhero story, Patrick Kane is the villain. And I hate him.
2: (laughs) Brooke, I love that. And I want want to ask you, I I know so many people have different stories around that awful, awful goal. And a lot of it is around the fact of when did you seriously realize that he had scored and wow, the Flyers had lost. So many people were like, well, it took me 10 seconds. It took me a minute. Um, I knew right away. For you personally, what was it all like and how long did it take for it to finally sink in?
0: I remember every single little detail from that entire game and probably the hour that I sat on my couch in pure denial following it. I did not want to believe it until I saw the overhead replay of it passing through Layton and I was like, all right, this is, this is the worst moment of my life. And (laughs) when I say I sat there for at least an hour, just trying to process it and come to terms, I wholeheartedly believe that there should have been a game seven in Chicago. So
1: ugh. Man, the oh, this, amount of time... I know this might be a pathetic question, but like, does it help at all to see them struggle this season? Like, they there aren't yes. well, the worst team in the league, but to see that little bit of struggle, sure, they've had their championships, but does that ease the pain a little bit?
0: Absolutely, without a doubt. Every single time... It's one of those names where if you ever hear the Blackhawks or you ever hear Patrick Kane's name mentioned, you just... Ugh, you're instantly thrown back to that moment where you were crushed as a fan. And I will never get over it. It is still a fresh wound. It's been 10 years since. And the <laughs> fact that the, NA, the NHL and NHL.com voted that goal as the best goal of the decade. So they're really just pouring salt in the damn wound. It's.
2: <laughs> and I think what makes it even more difficult to stomach, especially for Flyers fans, and Brooke, tell me if I'm right or wrong, but the fact that that kind of kick-started a dynasty for the Blackhawks, they went on to win two more Cups, so three in total, and then the Flyers haven't been back to the Stanley Cup. I think that's what makes it even worse. If the Flyers, like you said, with the Phillies in 2009, they had won the World Series a year prior. So it was like, you know what, that it hurt, but you knew, okay, well, we got one. Uh, for the Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl the next year, they lost in gut, gut-wrenching fashion. But at least you could t- fall back on, hey, at least we got it. For the Flyers – they had not won a Stanley Cup since 1975, as everyone famously knows, or oh, intimately yeah. knows. And uh, th- they haven't gone back to the Cup since that, since that season. Does that make it a little more difficult to uh, try to stomach?
0: It is, and I'm not saying this lightly, it is the worst pain that I've ever known as a fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: now is Jesus, here I was trying to
1: ease the pain. I was trying to be like, hey, you no, it could be, it it be better. Was <laughs>
2: better.
0: The
1: thing is, there's no
0: way to soften this blow. It no, was okay. the worst moment of my life as a Philly sports fan, but I also think that it was a turning point because that was like, I was like, all oh, right, it can't get any worse, right. Right. And <laughs> while that's the case, I kind of just get tough skin as the years go and you just kind of brush things off. But that's one of those things that I think even, you know, 15, 20, 30 years down the road is going to be number one on my list of things of just pure pain. If this is how everyone who lived through the 93 World Series with the Phillies felt, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Joe Fortis, do you remember where you were for that goal?
3: I do. I was in our newsroom at uh, Comcast Sportsnet at the time. Uh, I was producing one of our shows. I believe I was por- producing the show for the next morning. And as Brooke alluded to, it was and, and you did with your question, everybody was kind of looking at each other like, wait, did the puck go in? And a couple people had been out in the arena watching it, and they were coming in saying, no, it's over, and, and they hadn't really – delivered that message on tv yet so it was a really really weird scene um and 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 the other thing that's interesting about this is this city has a really weird hockey history with the number 88 yeah and 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 a and a lot of it is well all of it maybe to some fans is bittersweet because eric lindros one of the best players in Mm -hmm. franchise history but also many times associated with unrealized potential that had to do with injuries he was number 88 and then you have number 88 who's maybe the greatest american born hockey player that there is uh just put that dagger in, in the fans and it's it's really um the sting of it it and the fact that it happened on the flyers home ice yeah i really don't think that that um like you said, it would have to take the Flyers winning a cup for that to uh, happen. And if you, look, if you look at that year leading into that Stanley Cup final, so the Flyers have this epic 0-3 uh, comeback against the Bruins, yep. right? Yep. And, but the next season, the Bruins go and win the cup, so they kind of almost got rid of that awful historic memory right away. Yeah. The Flyers haven't done that yet, so it's still there. Hey, remember the last time we were in the Stanley Cup final? Oh, yeah, Patrick Kane. You know, those and, – and, and really the Flyers for a lot of that series were toe-to-toe with, like you said, what turned into a dynasty, at least when you look at Kane, Taves, and Duncan Keith. They all remained. A lot of the pieces around them, most of the pieces around them changed. But in terms of the core of that dynasty, they, they remained together for two more Stanley Cups.
2: Yeah, the way in which that game ended, uh, that game six – let me know what you all think. But I think Flyers fans would have would have rather gone to a game seven in Chicago and lost ten nothing than to have lost game six the way it did. What do you think? I think I think they would have.
0: I think the biggest reason why why it is such a difficult loss to grasp is because of the way that it did play out. That is a huge factor because any other year teams making it to the finals is an opportunity where the whole city gets to celebrate. It's like, all right, maybe next year, you know, no one really expected the flyers to get as far as they did in that season. It was, they were a bunch of misfits that snuck their way in mm-hmm. the last game of the season. No one expected them to make the Stanley cup finals that year. So the fact that it went down in this huge momentous, historic run was crushed by the most annoying goal I have ever watched in the history of my life. I know I have a young life. I'm only 22 years old, but I don't think it's going to be beaten. I don't care if I live to be 150. The way that that game ended made it so much worse. So much worse. Thanks, Patrick Kane.
1: Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
2: We needed to let Brooke vent there, but I think she is venting on behalf of all of Flyers fans uh, of all ages. Let's be real. Um, but one one guy that I think uh, a certain generation for sure absolutely cannot stand, and I, and I will say all Flyers fans, I think everyone knows the history at this point, uh, but that this goes to Joe Fordyce's Philly sports film for the Flyers uh, Joe, tee him up. Uh, this this guy, I think, ended pretty much an era, I, I would say, of Flyers hockey in a way. Uh,
3: yes, he did.
2: Um, and kind of uh, unlike what
3: uh, Brooksville and Patrick Kane is associated with a moment. Yeah. Stevens is associated with a moment. But before that moment came so many other things that built this huge – sort of hatred in the city unique too, in that Stevens was a nemesis of the Flyers for multiple eras and for multiple teams. He began his career with the Capitals, um, mixed it up with the likes of Brad Marsh, Rick Tockett, Dave Brown, the guys in the eighties, always, always the fisticuffs and all the extracurriculars with that era of Flyers hockey. The Capitals didn't win a Stanley Cup while he was on the team. But then he goes to the New Jersey Devils. And this fierce rivalry, which begins in 1995, begins. Now, that was the first time the Lindros era Flyers reached the playoffs. They had missed it five straight years leading into that playoffs. The Flyers beat the Rangers in the playoffs, dramatic fashion that year. And then they come up against the Devils. And it becomes clear immediately – that Scott Stevens' main assignment is to do whatever he can do to harass Eric Lindros. And you look through that series and you see headbutts and, like, form tackles that look like they should be made in a football field, and you just see the yapping and every shift that ends, there's back and forth. And the problem is when you think of villains, particularly in hockey, a lot of times – that hockey villain is a guy that's there to be a villain. Like I think of a guy like Matthew Barnaby or a guy like uh, uh, Darius Kasparaitis back in the day, or even Chris Nyland for the, the Canadians back in the eighties. These were guys that were out there to be a pest with Scott Stevens. He was arguably the best player on the devils. He was a hall of fame defenseman and also, caused this sort of disruption. And the other thing is, those other villains I mentioned, generally, the Flyers were able to handle those teams. The Flyers never, never handled this New Jersey Devils team. In all during his captaincy with the Devils, three Stanley Cups, two of them directly at the Flyers' expense. Um, very, it, it's just, it, you never want to have a guy that you hate also make you kind of. Um, eat your words, I guess, by his team winning. And he's also a Hall of Famer. So, yeah. you know, it's not its – you're not talking about a, a Dale Hunter or, um, you know, a, a player like that who's just a, a nag. You're talking about one of the top three or four defensemen in all the NHL uh, through much of his career. And as I said, you know, multiple teams. There's really – if you look back at it, I don't know that there's a villain in Flyers history that can say two different teams, two different eras, and three Stanley Cups. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad in terms of his, re- his, let's say this, his villain resume is definitely near the top of the pile.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that, like you said, it, that's what I think what makes uh, Stevens unique in his, in his resume, resume for this topic is that there's like different layers to it. When you think of like these big controversial hits or these career-changing hits, you think of maybe a guy that's like an enforcer, you know, whose role is to solely provide, provide physicality or sending a message. Stevens was a really good player. And I think that's what makes it crazy – uh, to think back on what on how he really tormented the Flyers, but Joe, with that hit off the top of your head, can you think of how many times you've seen that hit and uh, and, and what was your first reaction to it? Well, the
3: the hit against Lindros in the uh, in the two thousand Eastern Conference Finals, um, maybe the most devastating hit in the history of the Flyers franchise. Yeah. Now, uh, in the eighties, Chris Chelios. Uh, crack Brian Propp's head open in a playoff series. And that was – I was really young then, but that was kind of one of my first memories. And then this hit against Lindros, it's just – because I think the the thing was everyone knew the – kind of what existed between the Flyers and Lindros at that point in time. And I feel like everybody, when they saw the hit, not only was it a crunching hit, but it was – Sort of a recurring thing with Lindros, how he would come skating through the neutral zone with his head down, and he had sustained other concussions. One of them by Darius Kasparaitis in against the Penguins in a playoff series, like I had mentioned earlier. And and you see the kind of stereotypical sort of position that Lindros would routinely put himself in, and Stevens of all people delivers the blow. And I feel like everybody at that moment knew that era was over. It was the moment that ended the era. Um, That, if you remember, that was the same playoff year as the five overtime game. Lindros was injured during the Pittsburgh series. So he was not out there for the five overtime game that Primo won in Pittsburgh. You had a lot of, um, you had a lot of things going on internally with that team. And I feel like the whole complexion of the team kind of changed with the return of Lindros and people, people got to the point where they were like, is this is going to be the year? And then it just, I don't remember. Unless you say, unless you, unless you say maybe the last game at veteran stadium for the Eagles, the NFC title game and they lost to Tampa Bay. I don't know that anybody's bubble burst quicker with a single game than that, than, than that hit against Lindros. And how many times I've seen it? It's been hundreds. And there's never a time where I don't have a reaction where I just go, Oh yeah. It's a, it's it's a jar. It's a jarring thing to watch.
2: Yeah. Brooke and Katie, it kind of reminds me too. uh, Joe, that was a really good comparison. Uh, You said it was the Rondé Barber pick you compared it to. Yes. The Rondé
3: Barber pick. Yeah.
2: For me, it kind of reminds me of when Ryan Howard uh, ruptured his Achilles on the final oh, wow. out against the Cardinals in 2011. And he's there, you know, on the ground holding his, holding his ankle. And a season in which they won 102 games just falls way too short. And that was an end of an era. And I think everyone kind of deep down had that feel of like, I don't know if this silly team's ever going to get back to what they were again. Um, Brookie and Katie – Uh, Let's start with Brooke. Brooke, I'm sure you remember that Ryan Howard ruptured Achilles. Uh, What do you know about the Stevens hit and just the history of it? I think we all have that image in our mind of Lindros being helped off the ice. It's such a vivid image.
0: Right. So obviously that was, it happened at a time where I was too young to really understand what was going on, but I as I started to learn more about the history of the Flyers, as I was becoming more and more of a avid Flyers fan, hockey fan, you, it's hard to not hear about Eric Lindros. So I would look up stats and everything. And one of the very first moments when I started to look at his history as a player was that video because I knew that, you know, my, my parents are really big hockey fans. So they were like, just be careful. You know, when you start looking into like the career, like how careers end, because unfortunately, with such a fast paced, hard hitting sport, you never know when somebody's career could end during a game. So that was absolutely soul crushing. I remember watching it for the very first time and there just being a pit in the bottom of my stomach. So I can't even imagine what it was like to experience something like that live or watching it on TV for the first time because at least, you know, there was a sense of me knowing that it happened. But living in that moment, I just can't even imagine what fans, what players, what coaches, what his family was feeling during that time. But thank God he's all right. <laughs> and it's, it was an incredible career very short-lived
1: yeah Brooke I mean exactly what you said you know with your parents like be ready there's different parts of this game especially when you look at Flyers history me being and I know you guys share this too just being an overall hockey fan right like you love to see great talent you value great talent that being Eric Lindros and when something like this happens to a player and this still happens in the game like this is one of the most high-speed games ever um you have to be ready and that kind of hit too which you know what Joe all of you guys were talking about just, I'm, I'm looking at it just being a plain old hockey fan, that that kind of, that part of the game, like, you tend to forget a lot about, and yes, it's, it's still, you know, a physical game, I feel like there's a lot of more guidelines and rules out there that, you know, prohibit things like this, exactly, this exact kind of thing from happening, but it's still, you know, it's something with this game you hate to accept that comes along with it, and of course, seeing a great talent like Erlen, Eric Lindros going down in that manner, it's a human being at the end of the day, guys, like, these are, humans. These are these are brothers. These are sons. Um, they're all out there, you know, for our enjoyment, of course. They're out there for themselves, too. They're getting paid. But at the end of the day, like, it's something that could affect the rest of your life. And as being a human being, Brooke, you mentioned, we're, we're all happy. He's great now, but certainly a scary sight.
2: Yeah, and as you all mentioned, uh, those rules and regulations, the increased focus within the game now on safety, a lot of that is due to that hit. That hit from Stevens on Eric Lindros. Um, a moment that will certainly go down uh, in Flyers' infamy, really. Um, another moment that I don't think any fan will ever forget, uh, fans of all ages, really, uh, comes when Ty Domi literally fought a fan <laughs> in the penalty box. Uh, I, I don't care. can't make it up. You Got really as Philadelphia can't. as you can get. <laughs> exactly. And for me, my, my Philly villain, Philly sports villain, is Ty Domi because – When we think of Philly sports villains, we think of their relationship or not really their relationship, but how they're held among the Philly fan base. Uh, And when you have a guy that literally physically tussled with a fan, uh, that's pretty good. And the crazy thing is, to me, when I was doing my research on on Ty Domi and this fight uh, with a fan, uh, if you Google Ty Domi, some of the first things that come up is fight with Flyers fan in penalty box. He's really synonymous with that moment. moment. Uh, But for some fans that maybe don't know it as well, uh, it was a game between the Flyers and Maple Leafs. Uh, It came on March 29, 2001. It was at what was then the first Union Center, which is now, of course, the Wells Fargo Center, where we all work. And Ty Domi goes to the penalty box uh, after an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And apparently some fans kind of started chirping at him Tossed a few things at him. So Ty Domi, of course, takes the Gatorade bottle, sprays some fans over the glass right behind the box. A fan did not uh, – clearly did not like that. I don't think any Philly fan would. And kind of lunged towards the box, and then the glass ended up collapsing. And the fan, uh, unfortunately for himself, kind of stumbled into the box. And at that point, Ty Domi and that fan and the linesman in the box started really going at it. Um, the fan had a, a small cut on his head, but, if, you know, fortunately for the safety reasons, everyone was okay. Um, but that created a whole trickle-down uh, impact from that, from that fight. And, and some of the aftermath of this is just mind-boggling. It makes you scratch your head. The fan, Christopher, Christopher Falcone, he was apparently from Delaware County, he ended up trying to sue Ty Domi. He ended up trying to sue Comcast Spectacore. Um, and, and the funny part of the story, where it gets even crazier, was Ty Domi recently was on the, the very popular Spit and Checklist podcast. And he basically told the entire story of what happened and what transpired after that fight. Apparently what happened was, as uh, this fan, Christopher Falcone, was trying to sue Ty Domi and was trying to sue Comcast Spectacore, uh, Ty Domi finally said, "Hey, let me let me meet this guy. Let me try to meet him face to face, and let's just kind of qu- squash this." So he got as uh, Tydomi came back to Philadelphia for a game in the future, he said, "Hey, let me meet him." He ended up getting Christopher Falcone's number, calls Falcone, and you can see this vid- you can watch this interview on the Spit and Checkers podcast. But here's a brief little synopsis: calls the f- the fan Falcone, and says, "Hey, I want you to come." After tonight's game in Philadelphia, come meet me in the locker room. I just want to talk to you. And he said the, the fan at first was a little apprehensive, was like, why does he want to meet me? Does, does he want to fight? Like, what what is going on? <laughs> he said they come into the locker room. They see each other. And He said initially the fa- the fan was kind of kind of on guard, was ready for anything. And he, and he put out his hand and said, hey, I just want to meet you. I- I'm a nice guy. I know you're a nice guy. Um, they kind of – hashed it all out right there. And what's even cooler is Ty Domi and the Flyers that season when they hashed it out, they played each other in the playoffs. Domi invited him and his family to Toronto for a playoff game. uh, And all was good and well. Uh, The lawsuits and all (laughs) that kind of went to the wayside. uh, And now they're, they know each other and they've kind of squashed the beef, but what makes that moment to me just so funny and and really has created this uh, dislike for him in Philly sports fans is Domi on that Spit and Checkers podcast said uh, he goes Philly fans hated me but they also loved me and he said to this day he still gets written mail to him from fans saying we miss you Ty Domi in Philly uh, the sport is not the same without you the games are not the same in Philly without you uh, so to have that type of impact from one moment in which he tussled with a fan, uh, to me, that just speaks to Philly sports villain. Ty only scored four career goals in 46 career games against the Flyers, but he accumulated 238 penalty minutes. Wow. Um, so that just tells you whenever he was playing the Flyers, whenever he was in Philly, he was creating some type of drama. Um, so that's, that's a guy to me that just, I didn't even know the story that well, but I knew it just because it was that, it was that famous in Flyers folklore.
1: I love that, Jordan. I mean, you're talking about the fans too. Can you guys all just sit back and just think about that happening right here, right now? Like think about being at a game and seeing that firsthandedly. That had to have been like the most exhilarating, like adrenaline rush. Like I am, I am into the hockey game, but when there is a, a fan that gets in the penalty box with an opposing player, like, are you kidding? This has, it would be amazing, Jordan. It really would. And
2: uh, Ty Domi mentioned now at the Wells Fargo Center, the penalty box glass is <laughs> so much higher. It's so much higher because of that moment. Um, and, and another funny kind of tie to the story is Ty Domi's son is Max Domi, as everyone knows. And Max Domi uh, was there in the 2013 draft. He was there to be picked by the Flyers. The Flyers did not pick him. They ended up picking Samuel Moran at 11th overall. Max Domi gets picked the very next pick, 12th overall. Ironically, Domi has – ironically, Max Domi is a really – he was a big Flyers fan growing up because he has type 1 diabetes, and so does Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark is also diabetic, Flyers legend. So Max Domi grew up kind of idolizing Bobby Clark for how good he was despite having diabetes. But Max Domi said, my mom even said uh, on that draft night, I can't imagine a Domi ever playing for, a, for, the, for the Flyers. And Max Domi always laughs and says, I was a big Flyers fan growing up, but my dad will never be a Flyers fan.
0: Um, so that just <laughs> tells awesome. you
2: everything about the Domi family, the Flyers history, and it all stems back to that, to that penalty box moment.
1: Gosh, that is so, I mean, again, it's just such an amazing, you know, looking back on that highlight for one, I can't imagine being that guy like, Oh, you fell in. And you mentioned, unfortunately, I mean completely an unfortunate circumstance. You fall into the box. The guy's got, you know, however many more reps in the gym over you and he's got skates. I mean, there's a million different things that could have uh, happened there. And just the sight of the linesman, the rep, like everyone's in there trying to pull these two apart. It was just chaotic. But I'm going to finish here, Jordan. I mean, this is last but certainly not least. For my villain, this is a guy, when you talk about the fans despising him, um, it's completely true. But, of course, he never fought a fan, fortunately, at least in a penalty box (laughs) that we know of. That we know of. Um, (laughs) But last and not least, Sidney Crosby. You know, of course, we can't finish talking about Philly Flyers villains without mentioning Sidney Crosby. Um, You can argue Crosby is a player that – is a villain to any team in this league throughout his career. But literally, I would just have to say there is no bigger villain to the Flyers in the last 20 years than Sid the Kid. I mean, he just epitomizes everything Philly fans love to hate. His tendency to dive and try to draw a penalty calls from the refs. Of course, his skill in the pen sweater, that complaining of his that comes out so much in this heated rivalry. And speaking of this rivalry, guys, like, he got his first taste of the Penguins-Flyers rivalry courtesy of Darian Hatcher, uh, at Wachovia Center, Brookie mentioned that, and at the time it was. Now it is uh, Wells Fargo Center. Um, Crosby lost two teeth. He didn't get a call. Then he has another high stick from Mr. Hatcher later on. Didn't get a call. He was complaining all game about it and gets an unsportsmanlike conduct from the refs for that. I mean, that feeding the crowd from that first initial game, they knew this was a talented, uh, talented player coming into Philadelphia to play. Um, but seeing this all happen, this sort of drama that we allude to a lot with these villains that they, they bring with these games, that is something that, you know, they'll never forget, uh, and to, uh, cap it all off guys, in case you didn't already not like him in that game, he goes to score his first game winning goal in overtime to win it for the Penguins. I mean, from then on out, fans just would always try to make it so difficult for this guy. Um, I I remember seeing too, he once complained Wells Fargo Center is just a vicious atmosphere. Like it's no fun. And you can hear that from so many different teams, but I have to say, guys, I'm truly impressed with just the passion from this fan base to just never miss a beat. Sidney Crosby has the puck. They are booing. He is, he is flubbing on a puck. They are cheering. He is making mistake. They are cheering. Like it is truly remarkable. And for me, like I've seen that from afar, but Covering the Flyers this season, being at Wells Fargo Center, like I'm almost laughing inside because it, it, you guys know it. It's it's so entertaining to see. Um, but, you know, away from all the things that maybe he'll do wrong and fans will cheer for, you can't ignore the guy's got three Stanley Cups, and, and that's another thing to hate. He has the second most points against the Flyers throughout his career in comparison to any other team, and he scores the most goals against the Flyers in his whole entire career. So – there's different things that, like, as much as you despise him on the ice against the Flyers and the, or against, uh, yeah, the Flyers in this heated rivalry, he kind of feeds off of that in a way. And that I think even draws more of this. I hate to say the word hatred, but it is that hatred. It just draws even more of it out of these fans. Um, and you know, Joe Fordyce, you, you mentioned you use this a lot throughout the last, um, however many years. It would be about eight because this is back in 2012. He this countless times. Um, This quote of him saying after a game, I don't like them. I don't like any of them. Like, he doesn't like playing the Flyers either. He doesn't, as I mentioned with Wells Wells Fargo Center, this isn't a fun atmosphere for him to play in. And I think with fans, like, I say I think, but I know it. Those fans listening, you guys circle this game on your calendar. Like, you are looking forward to when Sidney Crosby is in town, of course, hoping he's healthy at the time, but you are looking forward to seeing this rivalry. There's always that cherry on top when you get to see Sidney Crosby you get to see a mess up. There's something fans feed off of. And there's a magic, you guys, when, you know, you get to root for your team. You get to, you know, cheer them on in a victory or anything else. But there's nothing like Philly fans that find that energy rooting against a player, rooting against a team. Um, it's truly remarkable. And I'll just cap off again by saying, like, the passion this fan base has to just make it tough on him whenever he comes in is one I've never seen. And, Brooke, you mentioned this, too. There's so many different villains the Flyers could have. Um, but just in, you know, the era that you and I would share in and what we've experienced seeing from afar, me growing up in the Midwest, seeing from afar with, you know, Flyers history and what the Flyers, Sidney Crosby is a, is a player that is top notch. Like you always uh, pay attention to him, but I'll never forget seeing this heated rivalry and just in knowing how, how much these Philly fans despise him. It's kind of that entertainment, guys. We love sports, but you got to love the emotion that come with it, too.
3: And Katie, uh, just to just to follow up on your point there, um, two multiple eras of Flyers hockey, uh, three-time Stanley Cup winner, also one of the best players in the league. Sound familiar to the villain that I described a little earlier on the podcast?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, completely. But this guy's one team, right? Like they are the same. They're just yes. they're so different in the, in the factor of. Stevens said different teams Crosby's just been dominant with the penguins he's always there and it's like too is as, as much of a talented player he is I, I still don't think like you would want him on your team if you're i don't have to say that like i know flyers fans <laughs> if he came to philadelphia this is like Can i don't confirm. even know how i'm saying this out loud like i'm probably making so many mad but like you want to win games right but like there is something too about just there's absolutely no way Sidney Crosby would be welcome to, to come and play for the Flyers, even if he was going to help them win. It's amazing.
2: I know, Brooke, I think I've, I've asked, like, my friends and people that I know that are really diehard Flyers fans, that, and I want to ask you, and because Katie hit the nail on the head there, I really don't think – I sometimes will joke, like, well, would you – with Flyers fans, would you take a Sidney Crosby? And they – very adamantly say absolutely not like they really just do not like him they would not want him Brooke would you agree with that
0: uh yeah Yeah. (laughs) end of my statement no (laughs) no it's it's such an interesting thing because you know he's a great player but because of the history and the rivalry through his career that he's had with the Penguins against the Flyers that makes you hate him so much more I mean. Loathe, loathe, despise. Good word. But the thing is, you can also respect the player that he is. It would be rude of me to sit here and say that he's not a good player. That's a lie. We have to admit it. There's a reason why he gets under our skins. He's a he's a very talented player, and I'm saying it through my teeth. Because yeah
1: <laughs> He's talented, too, like, in his own being, Brooke, but against the Flyers. Like, that even gets even more under your skin. Like, you see the success he has with those championships. But, I mean, man, when he's doing it against your team, too, there's just something about it in the playoffs. I mean, you can't even begin to explain how much fans despise him then. It
0: was also a very fun era for myself to grow up in because I think rivalries are so important in sports. So from such a young age, it was always flyers, pens, flyers, pens for me. And I know that sometimes things adapt over years and new rivalries are created, but that was the one that stuck with me the most through me becoming a fan. And it just created and cultivated so much. I'm using the word hate because that's the strongest word in the dictionary for it. Pittsburgh. And it's, it's true. I could never picture – I don't even – I don't even want <laughs> to picture Crosby anywhere near a Flyer sweater. The fact that I even had to think that in my head, I'm sick.
2: <laughs> and I don't think you to be feeling bad for using the word hate, uh, especially when it comes to City Crosby, because if you guys recall, uh, Flyers fans were much worse – during the uh, 2018 playoffs uh, because that was when they put pictures of Sidney Crosby at the bottom of urinals in the bathrooms of the Wells Fargo Center um, (laughs) and used it almost as, uh, yeah, target practice. And Crosby was made aware of that uh, during that series, and he kind of played it off and he said, well, Philly's not the first one to do that, so I guess they stole that joke. But um, I think that uh, just is a small example of Philly's dislike for Crosby. Katie, I'm sure once you got to Philadelphia, I think you already probably knew that Crosby was disliked by this city. Um, I think it—I think it's a a rivalry that's known across the league. Would you agree?
1: Oh, without a doubt, and I mentioned that too. Growing up in the Midwest, like this isn't—it this wasn't news to me. Like I definitely like Sidney Crosby. What I said at the top, like he's maybe a villain to any team, but there is just nothing that you could compare to. How he could be a villain to like Flyers Nation, and you know, seeing that from afar, growing up, seeing him, um, you know, anywhere, and I always saw too. Like I talked about Darian Hatcher, those those clips, those highlights. For example, these are always such intense games whenever he's playing. Like these are physical games. Um, they are definitely they, as in the Flyers, keeping an eye out for him. And and uh, you know, with that, it reminds me, Joe, this this season, you and I watching this game at Wells Fargo Center. Sydney Crosby is always, you know, and of course you got to look at Malkin too, and, and some of the uh, other top forces they have. But he was a focus to slow down. The Flyers are able to do that. I remember you went over in that locker room, try to get some sound from him. Like you feed off of anything he has to say after a game. You know, certainly in that, I, I do recall Joe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he gave credit where credit was due. He said, you know, that they have a, a great uh, team this season. They have a great coaching staff. He, you know, didn't didn't ignore any of the obvious in that way, but. That sort of sound after games, I feel like fans are always feeding off of too. And, you know, going back to what I said earlier when back in 2012, um, after that game, when he said, I don't like them, I don't like any of them. I do believe, guys, there were some t-shirts that say, uh, we don't like you either. Like fans started wearing those. It's, it's just that whole thing. Like, I, I feel like if you're a fan, you want to um, I feel like this, but I do know when you're a fan, you guys all share in unison with, you know, cheering on a certain team. For the Flyers, there is no other unison than, like, hating Sidney Crosby. There, there is no other way that you share that same unison of just despising. And, of course, you have to respect the rivalry, Brooke. I love what you said there. There's nothing better than rivalries in sports. There's truly nothing better, too, than the Penguins and Flyers when you see these two teams match up.
2: Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Well, Philly fans, there you have it. Those are our Philly sports villains for the Flyers. Uh, It's hard to argue Patrick Kane, Scott Stevens, Ty Domi, Sidney Crosby, but we want you to argue it. So go to NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com and do that. But Brooke Destra, thank you so much for joining us and giving us
0: your villain. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm going to leave it at this. The villains are the moments where you look back and they have the highest point of conflict. I know that Crosby gets under everyone's skin, but when I think of the worst moment in sports for me, I think of Kane. So that's why he's my villain (laughs) in my story. So I had to say that before things wrap up. But always, it's a pleasure (laughs) to be on with you guys. It's so great seeing your wonderful faces. And I hope we can have some more fun debates with this soon.
2: Absolutely, Brooke. Very good case there, seriously. Uh Joe Fordyce, thank you very much for joining us and uh reliving the Scott Stevens uh hatred.
3: Thank you guys. I uh had a fun time doing it and as and I'll leave by i I'll leave it by saying, um, like Brooke, Scott Stevens has the one moment, uh, the worst moment probably in Philly sports during my lifetime, <laughs> with a plenty of plenty of minor moments leading up to that one. And I think that makes him as good a candidate as anyone.
2: That's a really good case as well, Jax. (laughs) So many different layers to the Scott Stevens. Say, Katie Emmer, as always, thank you so much. And uh, we love talking about Sidney Crosby, but not really, right?
1: Well, gosh, I mean, I was unprepared. I feel like we need some, like, rebuttal, some, like, proof. (laughs) Um, Here's, I guess, my impromptu statement. I'll just say, could you imagine the rivalry without Sidney Crosby, guys? Like, come on. Come on. Like, I know he doesn't have that conflict, okay? I know he didn't create maybe the worst um, history of memory and Flyers history. But think of, think about all the different things that, you know, have made up this rivalry, have made it more entertaining. I guess that's my whole convincing conclusion there. But you know what? No, no matter what, all jokes aside, guys, this is so fun. Um, I, I'd have to thank everyone as well. Jordan, great work as always. You are phenomenal. Everyone keep up the, the great jobs that you do. And for all of those listening, thank you for tuning in to this special edition Philly sports villains.
2: Yes, indeed, Katie. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. That is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.